What are your thoughts on Bruce Pearl being a Kroger man? I think you said it best. Even with all that money, still, a man of the people. A man, man has the money to go to Publix, and yet he's there at Kroger. And if it's the if it's the Kroger uh, in Auburn, at, at, at Glenn and Dean, I mean, that place is constantly a madhouse. Like it's never just like, all right, you're gonna walk in there and it's gonna be it's gonna be easy going. He's he's walking in there and, and mixing it up with the with with the people. What do you think about Bruce? Uh, and and in case you don't know why we uh, we're talking about this, uh, Bruce Pearl's uh, daughter Jackie tweeted uh, Saturday evening uh, that a man was selling these outside Kroger. Dad bought one for twenty dollars. He's really feeling himself. He better be going. This better be going straight to my nana. If I catch him wearing it. I will ridicule him for the rest of time. Uh, and it is a shirt that says, uh, when they hired Bruce, they truly got a pearl. Uh, <laughs> Bruce buying a, <laughs> buying a shirt about himself. Like his, like his own, his own like knockoff merch is incredible. Like, like it's like uh, if, if somebody was at like a concert or something like that, and then you walked out and it's just the, the artist is like buying like the stuff off the street it's hilarious, but like, I don't like for some reason, um, it didn't surprise me at all to, 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 to read that, to read that story. Well, it's great. It's a dad joke. I mean, you know, it is a corny joke yes. and yes. his face is on it. And like you say, those mm-hmm. things combined with the idea that I'm sure this guy just made these and was like, you know what? I'm going to slap his face on it. And Bruce is like, yeah, absolutely. My man is out here making plays I've got to reward this. Would you buy? Would you buy and or wear a shirt with your own face on it? Yeah, for sure. Especially if it was <laughs> funny. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to do. We need to. We need to get. We need to get merch that has Painter's face on it, so he can. So he. So he can wear it around. With my grocery um, store hat and that shirt on, I'd be unstoppable. We were we got another question about the grocery store hat. Do you have a new one? Do you have a hat that you that you go to now? Um, now that I mean, people will remember the original grocery store hat was lost to the seas. My go-to hat right now is an orange University Ace hat. Oh, there we go. And since it can be chilly, I also have a Bills toboggan that I wear a good bit. Yeah, yeah, I. Uh... Well, we'll see. Once we get later in the year, we might have to re up the straw hat game again because uh, I think that's I think the I think the good people of Parts Unknown need to see the uh, need to see what they're working with. I there. like this. My friend Thomas uh, texted me after that episode came out. I was like, I guess I need to buy you a new hat. And uh, oh, I was like, no, nice. well, it was very nice of him, and he would have done it. He was serious about it, but I didn't really think it was his fault. Like. I let the hat get into the water, and then I don't know why we didn't turn around, but I'm sure I could have asked Thomas or or gotten him to do so. Ah, well. What do you think about uh, this reply we got uh, Saturday night? Uh, Kroger, an underrated three-star that becomes a first-rounder. Publix is the rival's number one recruit and an undrafted free agent. I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to hear this Publix slander. Yeah, I mean, the thing I go to Publix most for is to get a sandwich. Mm, I, I don't do a whole lot. There there was a Publix nearby me at one point, so it was convenient if I needed a quick run. But generally, I went in there to get, I can't even remember the name, the name of the sandwich now. Oh, wow. What was on it? I don't, well, did they have an Italian there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. then it was that. 
I'll say this. I mean, I don't. I'm not a man with Publix money, but that, that's where I go. That's where that's where your uh, <laughs> that's where your subscription money is going to. It allows me to shop at Publix um, instead of uh, fighting off the the hordes of people at at Kroger. I will say the one good thing that I uh, I'll say. I mean, and Kroger's fine. The one really good thing I'll say about Kroger is that you can go there at any time. Like I think most of them now, or I think both of them now are back open to being like twenty four seven, and. Uh, yeah, I, I I've been known to be a person who like gets groceries at like eleven thirty at night. So shout out to Kroger for that. And obviously you're you're out there selling uh selling knockoff Auburn merch that gets uh, that gets Bruce Pearl in the game. It gets the people going. It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless up there in parts unknown. Hello, Painter. Hello. Painter, Super Bowl Sunday, how we feeling? I hope Joe Burrow's team wins. I don't care about the Bengals that much. I just like Burrow and obviously the underdog story. Is it usually easy to root for? I do have mm-hmm. one of my good friends... Uh, Alex, he's a big Skyline Chili guy. He is from Cincinnati. I actually don't think he's that wrapped up in it, although I'm sure he wouldn't mind if the Bengals won. So, Joe, do it for Alex. Yeah, you've also got, as as we uh, as we get closer to game time, recording this on Sunday morning, as we get closer to game time, looks like the more likely that C.J. Uzama will get to play. And, man, what a season is he's had. What, I mean, this is a guy who... His career, his first few years of his career uh, at the NFL level, he was a solid tight end, but not a guy that you know people talked about a ton, uh, just because of the situation in Cincinnati. And then they get Burrow, and he becomes one of Burrow's, you know, he becomes one of Burrow's guys. They have Jamar Chase, they have T. Higgins, you know, they have um, they have a number of guys that they can throw to. But Uzama's had some big touchdown catches. He's had some big plays in the playoffs. Um, and he had that injury against the Chiefs in the AFC title game, but uh, because of that extra week off that you get between the title games and the Super Bowl, looks like he's going to have a chance to play. So you got that going for you. Um, I think, so too, he's friend, clearly become like one of the biggest personalities on the team. Yes, yes, and he was a great personality when he was at Auburn, too. Uh, one of the one of the best interviews um, of uh, over the years of guys um, – you know, I've covered at Auburn. Um, always a really cool dude. He would uh, he would show up all the time to interviews uh, wearing uh, soccer jerseys. He's a big Chelsea fan, um, so he was like he had this like insane uh, collection of like Chelsea stuff that he would wear all the time, and, and then he'd throw around some others. But uh, yeah, just a really good, really good personality. He's, he's he's really come on here recently. I think having Joe Burrow will help anybody out. Uh, if you're a wide receiver or tight end, um, so you got that on one side. But look, I will I will make also make this argument for Auburn, any Auburn fans uh, that are looking for a rooting interest and maybe want to say the Rams, the Rams GM Les Snead uh, from Ufala, uh went to Auburn. He's an Auburn guy, um, and then got you know got into football through Auburn. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen a general manager at the NFL level go more all in on trying to win a title than what Les Snead has done with the Rams, you know, trading for 
Stafford, trading for uh, Vaughn Miller, trading for Jalen Ramsey, uh, making the move for uh, Odell Beckham. Um, they have not really drafted at all the last few years in the in the early rounds, um, and it hadn't mattered because um, they, uh, especially after the move to Los Angeles, they were like, all right, we're going all in on winning a title, and that's what we want. And so there are a lot of teams that have this really – I don't want to say overinflated view, but they have a pretty inflated view of, of what first round picks mean. And the Rams have been able to just stack them up and send them out to, to folks and uh, uh, build a team that's got somehow with the cap space that they've got, I don't know how they do this, but somehow they've been able to build up a team that's got, you know, a bunch of all pros uh, or former all pros on both sides of the ball. And uh, even still, they have a guy like Cooper cup and, and some others that, uh, have become kind of superstars under their own watch, but uh, yeah, if Albert, if if if, uh, if the Rams win the Super Bowl later today, um, you know Auburn guy helped orchestrate it. Uh, was 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 one of the key figures in this move for uh, for the Rams. So, sir, would I, you I'm, have any interest in coming back? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what you would do at that point. Like, I don't know. Yeah, his job does not entail recruiting nope. right now, so that would be quite a swing. And for somebody who's doing it at the highest level, I'm not sure you'd want to be like, hey, what if I stepped into the most functional system ever? It's like, I guess, like roster management. I don't know. I don't even know what, what that would be like. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be I'm hoping for a fun game. I'm hoping we don't get one of those, like, weird – like nobody scores or does it. Like the last time the Rams were in the Super Bowl, it was the it was that the that Rams Patriots was it game. Ten it was to just three. A, uh, it was yeah. It was just bleh, so bad. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to the fact that you know you either get Stafford winning the Super Bowl after all he's gone through is. It's funny. It's like it's like all he's gone through is like yeah. He just had to like play for the Detroit Lions for a long time. <laughs> so, and he, like also, he overcame I mean, he this massive injury. Calvin Johnson. And then Calvin Johnson said, I would rather not play football than play, than play another down the, for the... The Lions have been able to do that to two Hall of Famers. Yep. They're just like, then, you know what, this is so terrible, no thank you anymore. And it's and it, and, and, and if it, it's the Bengals that win, it's like, okay, so the Rams did this thing where like, we're going to be hyper-aggressive and trying to build, build the most complete win-now roster possible. And then if the Bengals win, it's like, okay, well, how did you get here? And it's like, well, we've we've not been good for a very long time. We drafted one of the best quarterbacks uh, in college football history, one of the best seasons that it ever had in college football history. And then we got his number one receiver, and we got, like, one big free agent signing on the defensive line, and that's been enough. It's been enough to, to make it happen, so – um, it doesn't anyway, feel very at, replicable, like the way that no, no, they've no, no, done no, this. <laughs> and as you know, as long as they have Burrow, maybe they can be in title contention. But it certainly feels like they're going to be ebbs and flows with the Bengals, as long as this is the amount of effort they do in roster management. I still, I still, I still can't believe that the Bengals got this far, and like their offensive line is like a giant red flag, like giant. But it just goes to show you how much uh, awesome quarterback play can overcome that. Um, especially if they have wide receivers and, you know, running back Joe Mixon's uh, been a really good running back this year for them. Um, yeah, I just – anyway, looking forward to that. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more football towards the end because uh, there was seemingly a new development last night, uh, Saturday night, uh, that is some very good news for Brian Harson 
and uh, this Auburn football team. But we are here to talk about Auburn basketball's latest victory. They get back on track, back at home uh, in Auburn Arena, 75-58 over Texas A&M. And um, start off with the most notable uh, uh, takeaway from this. Uh, Auburn played basketball for 115 and a half seasons and only had had one um, triple-double ever. Kenny Gabriel against Bethune-Cookman in 2012. Now, less than two months into this, or you know, the last less than the last two months. Ooh, that was a bad sentence. Um, inside the last two months, how about that? Uh, Walker Kessler has now had two of them, and both of them coming against SEC opponents. It's crazy because when you look at Walker Kessler and these triple these 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 triple doubles that come with blocks, which are rare in and of themselves, then you start looking at like how quickly he's gotten them, uh, how often he's gotten them. And the fact that most players who get these high block, um, they get these high block triple doubles, usually do it against teams that are completely overmatched. Um, they're usually in situations where it is uh, big team against little team in terms of uh, program quality, program strength. And yet Kessler's now done it against LSU. Um, it's you know, pretty good team, obviously, uh, was, was one of the best teams in the SEC when they played them, uh, you know, or at least projected out. And they've had their issues and, and injuries. And then Texas A&M, who got off to a really good start in SEC play uh, and, and has given some teams some really hard times, even in this losing streak they've had, he gets another one as well. It's, it's crazy to think because triple-doubles are so rare at the college level because you don't play that long uh, compared to the NBA – and this man got it in 24 minutes, and he did it against an SEC team. Running out of ways to describe, Painter, how impressive Walker Kessler has been for, for Auburn. You know, really since 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 that first triple-double, since that you know, the start of SEC play against LSU. At one point, I felt like as good as Walker had been, he wasn't going to get the national recognition he deserved. That is beginning to change and with mm-hmm. games like this it certainly will continue to i think walker is now going to be on people's profile at the end of the season much more than he was at any point this far i think the timing of the game helped right people are going to hear yeah, the game thing. day yeah people are going to hear about the triple doubles you know i think a lot of people already do know he's a good shot blocker i yeah the profile for walker i think in this game probably shifted some yeah yeah it definitely did um you know college game day being in town and then then you look up if you're you look up and it's they those guys the the ace crew for espn all the attention on it gets to cover i mean they were singing kessler's praises before the game they uh during game day they did a uh like a comparison, they did a comparison segment of like um, they did some Super Bowl to to college basketball comps because I mean you do stuff like that uh, on TV at this time of year, um, and uh, I believe it was Jay Billis they asked like who is who is the Aaron Donald of the and I can't believe I didn't mention Aaron Donald earlier when we were talking about the Rams I mean like Cooper Cup you know here's a guy that they had and is most dominant player on defense and in, in football if not most dominant player in the NFL. It's like, who's the Aaron Donald of the NFL? Who's the best defensive player? Or who's the Aaron Donald of college basketball? Who's the most dominant defensive player? And Bill said it's 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 Walker Kessler. 
I mean, Kessler at this point, and then he goes out and has a game where he has 12 <laughs> blocks. Um, you know, 12-block game. They knew that coming in, like, this was going to be a game where Texas A&M was going to struggle with Auburn's height. Uh, this is one of the shortest teams in the country, uh, at least in, in major college basketball. They are very drive-heavy. They don't shoot particularly well from deep, uh, as we've <laughs> as we were able to see on uh, on – on Saturday, it took them, you know, nearly 30 minutes of game time for them to hit a three, uh, but they drove right to the basket because that's the way they they score. And um, you know, Bruce Pearl was saying after the game, the defensive strategy. He credited his son Stephen for being on the scout. Credited obviously Zepp Jasper coming back was huge, but this Auburn defense, they had a great game plan, which is okay. They have a lot of guys that want to drive. Um, they have guys that are pretty ball dominant. Uh, or hand dominant uh, with, uh, with with the way they attack. So if we press up into them, you know, get them going one way, and if we have to funnel them anywhere, let's funnel them to Walker Kessler down low and see what see what works. And and Kessler just he had four blocks in the first three minutes. He had some stretches where he just couldn't stop uh, swatting the ball away down low. Uh, Texas A and M in the first half. This is just insane. Texas A and M. In the first half against Auburn, with seven of thirty-nine from the field, at seventeen point nine percent, zero of ten from deep. They had fourteen offensive rebounds because you shoot long, you rebound long, uh, and you know I think A&M was a little bit more. Um, and they're also a really good offensive rebounding team, just on the whole. Uh, they, that's been one of their strengths this season. Um, kind of like Alabama, you know, sometimes they shoot long, rebound long. They've got some athletes. And some guys that get they get in good position um, didn't have hardly. I think they had four second chance points in the first half off of that, off of those or three or four off of those uh, offensive boards, and just time and time and time again, Auburn turned them away at the rim. And I think you saw the value in this game of having Zepp Jasper out there. Everybody stays fresher. Katie Johnson stays fresher. Wendell Green stays fresher. Um, and they just play, they just play this relentless defense. That um, okay, you're going to try to drive on us, and we're going to slow you down. We know you don't want to shoot the ball, um, and if you do get a step on us, well, that's great because we've got a tree down low that's going to that's going to swat everything away. And just an excellent game plan. Second half, you saw a And M, and they shot 38 percent in the second half. You saw a And M get to the rim a little bit more. They were pulling. The way they were Auburn was, um, yeah. The way Auburn was defending, they they tried to find ways to pull Kessler away from the rim, and so they got they got a little bit of help. Um, started hitting some more layups and dunks, uh, hit a, hit a few threes, but the damage had already been done. Auburn was Auburn just absolutely cooked them. Um, fewest points they've given up in a first half in an SEC game in a decade. Uh, this is the lowest field goal percentage Auburn has allowed in a game uh, since St. Peter's a few years ago. I I couldn't tell. I couldn't go back. Uh, it's at least the lowest field goal percentage in an SEC game Auburn's given up in at least a decade. Uh, I don't know how much further back we could go on that, but I mean this was a this was just a defensive showcase, and I I don't think Painter it was a coincidence that a Kessler was playing a short team, and B, you had Zepp Jasper back. How much was the Zepp storyline enhanced by his week off? Like, I think people had heard Bruce mention 
Oh, yeah, Zepp's important. Like, what he does for this team is important. Then he misses right. two games, and, like, an entire week was spent. Everyone was like, hey, maybe maybe the guy that coaches the team was on to something here. <laughs> yeah. Georgia does an excellent job in the second half against Auburn's uh, Auburn's defense, and, uh, you know, Auburn has to escape with a win last Saturday. Then they go to Arkansas, and I'll tell you how tough that was. J.D. Note goes off for Arkansas – uh, in in that game, Auburn has a hard time defending without fouling away from home in a in a wild Bud Walton arena. Um, you look at yesterday, Alabama beats Arkansas sixty eight sixty seven uh, in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Note only had twelve points in that game. Um, you know, you had there, there's just a lot of value in having your your main guys out there, and, and so Zap. Also, there was another problem. Auburn had turnover issues in both of those games, low assist. In this game against uh, against A&M, not great offense overall from Auburn, but 18 assists, 11 turnovers. That's more of what you would do. 18 assists on 27 field goals, also a really high um, assist percentage for the Tigers, and that's what you want to see. But, like, not a, not a shock to me at all that Zepp Jasper – you know, Jeff Jasper's return impacted Auburn in both of those areas really, really well. And, you know, he is – he's that guy who's not going to do a lot in terms of the box score. And people will look at it and be like, well, how big – how big can he really be if he's, like, barely scoring and he's not, you know, getting a ton of, of stats? It's like, well, the stats don't show how great he is on defense and the, and the normal stats don't show how much of an impact he has. just the offense clicks better when he's on the floor um, or at least put runs cleaner. And then when you put in Wendell green jr, I think the other big thing in this one was even though Auburn had that slow start on offense, you saw them kind of, you know, there were stretches in, in both the first and the second half where the bench unit did really, really well. And part of it was because they had Wendell green out there. And so when they were resting Jabari Smith, or Walker Kessler or Katie Johnson or some of those guys, they were able to work in um, really, really good offense with some of those backups because you had green there and and you weren't running into a situation where you got into a rotation. It's like, okay, well, who's going to be scoring in this lineup? When Zepp Jasper starts and Wendell Green Jr. comes off the bench and they start getting in that rotation and that flow, you don't really have those kind of lull periods that you had against Arkansas, that you had at times against Georgia – Yes, Auburn's offense did not do particularly well for a stretch in the first half against Texas A&M, but that didn't really feel like it was because they weren't creating anything. Um, it was They were just missing shots, and that's kind of an issue we'll, we'll talk about later. It's been, been a problem for them for most of the year, or most of the SEC season. Um, they, uh, they, they did a really good job of, of you know, plugging back in, or, and, and, you know, even though, look, Wendell – um, SEC player of the week last week, excellent against Georgia, um, was a huge reason why you were able to have a chance to win at Arkansas. And obviously he played well against Alabama, really well against Alabama a week ago. Um, you know, there might've been a temptation for Auburn to be like, all right, let's, let's just keep, um, Wendell in the starting lineup and then bring Zepp off the bench. But no, they went back to that lineup, that lineup, that starting lineup, by the way, is undefeated this year. Uh, Zepp, uh, Katie, Allen, Jabari, and, and Walker. Um, they leaned on that, and it and it really just 
it, it makes a ton of difference because you get to start with great defense. You get to you get to be a more balanced with your offense, and then yeah, Wendell Green Jr. and those guys and and can can finish and and in times where you really need the offense to take that big step forward, uh, he can do that. And um, big game. I also thought what was interesting, Wendell Green Jr. Uh, he had just he had a ton of shots these last few games, but he only had four in this one. Uh, but played really well. He was, um, you know, third on the team in plus minus. Um, he, uh, let's see, he had five assists. Um, he had, man, he had that crazy pass. It didn't count, but that crazy pass where he kind of spun it all the way down the floor um, to get it to Jalen Williams, who got fouled, and and Devin had the Devin had the put back dunk off of it. You know, A and M shorter team. Auburn's advantages weren't coming through him. Their advantage, especially when Auburn's not shooting particularly well, their advantages were coming through their small forwards, their big men, uh, their centers. He was it wasn't a high usage game for him in terms of shooting the ball, uh, but they still were able to get get a whole lot done uh, without it. Just really, I really, really impressed by uh, by the way Auburn decided to attack a team that was very vulnerable to a lot of different things that they were doing. Alan Flanagan and and Devin Cambridge, both of them. But uh, Painter, we've talked about it. And I know you've I know you've been I know you've in particular been waiting to see this for a while. Alan Flanagan getting back to kind of being a little bit more of the old uh, Alan that uh, that we were used to seeing uh, before his injury. Sixteen points led the team in that uh, category. Went five of six from the line, four boards, didn't have a turnover, had a couple of assists. First time he's had zero turnovers since he played just a little bit in that first game back. Uh, Alan looked. Alan looked like Alan again. Alan looked like the more like the alpha that you've been wanting him to be. We're still going to see some ebbing and flowing from Alan over the remainder of the season, but I stand by the idea that if he takes his game to the level that it's possible, and his athleticism, you know, is sort of unleashed, and he's a little bit more consistent shooting, we know what he does defensively. He adds an element that makes this team very nearly unbeatable in the tournament. Yeah, he does – when you're not shooting well from deep as a team, and, and no one really is right now, he's a guy that can get downhill and get to the line. He's a guy that can get downhill and finish around the rim. A&M did not have really good backside help. They did not have really good help defense at all. And Auburn got to the rim quite a bit in this game. Uh, because of it, they were at 10 of 11 dunks. They were 10 of 11 on dunks. They had 12 layups in this game. So 22 – 22 of Auburn's 27 made field goals in this game were uh, were either layups or dunks. You'll live, you'll live with that that ratio, uh, especially if you're getting a big win. Felt like Allen, look, you know, he said after the game, it felt like I was getting my groove back a little bit. So the team has always kind of had high confidence in me. And look, he's been rebounding and playing defense well. It's just that offense felt like there were times where like he might have been trying a little too hard or just getting out of control. And this one really just let the flow of the game come to him. And showed like what he can be is that he's hard to stay in front of, uh, either with his explosiveness or just his strength. And he's confident when he gets going around the rim. He's a really, really good player. Uh, he's four or five from from inside the line. That's exactly what you want. And meanwhile, another great Devin Cambridge game. He's four or five from uh, inside the line as well in this one. Ten, uh, ten points, four rebounds, a couple of assists there. He just turned the ball over once, had a steal. I don't know how you felt about it, Painter, but uh, I thought I thought one of the 
one of the slickest business decisions I've ever seen from a basketball player came in that game where Texas A&M, you know, Auburn had kind of a two-on-one break um, real quick. A&M did not get back well on defense. Two-on-one break off of a, I believe it was a long defensive rebound. And uh, Cambridge punches it down the lane. And, uh, I mean, the A&M defender, he stayed there like until the precise nanosecond that he had to get out of the way and not get posterized, and he just dipped out. That's one of the plays of the game, not only for Auburn's dump, but I think for the A&M guy, just making sure he didn't get flat out embarrassed on that one. I think he is familiar with Devin's work and was content to not be a part of what is becoming an increasingly longer highlight reel. Also, although I was glib a moment ago about Bruce's knowledge, uh, because it's very apparent that he knows what he's doing. He's not above criticism. And like, I guess one of the criticisms that probably has been tossed around in some fashion recently is, could you involve your very talented player Jabari more often? And even though it wasn't a Jabari Smith takeover game, it seemed like they attempted to run more of the offense through their most talented player. Yeah. I mean, he took 10 shots. He had the highest usage rate on the team. He had four turnovers. He's, you know, his, his assist-to-turnover ratio is something they're really wanting to work on, although he had an incredible lob assist to Dylan Carwell in that game. Couldn't really find the stroke. I mean, nobody was really – like I said, when you – when 22 of your 27 shots are happening – or made shots are happening at the rim, that's not that's, – that's going to show you that hardly anybody's doing a good job of actually putting the ball in, in on jump shots. Um, so, Jabari, not a great game from him efficiency-wise. But, yeah, you found Auburn were – Auburn was trying to find a, a lot of different ways for him to get the ball in his hands. Thought he had some more possessions where he could kind of operate in isolation, do some more dribbles. It's just the shot wasn't there. Um, but even still, eight boards in this game for for Jabari and uh, two steals and a block. He had a great block at the end of the first half that started Katie Johnson. And speaking of Katie Johnson, man's so upset with himself that he went 0-5 from deep and they're open shots, but um, – Got to the rim, four or six uh, on on field goals. He had uh, or on two point field goals. Um, the dunk he had in the first half. I'll be honest with you, Painter. I know six foot is not a is not really six foot six one. It's not really short king territory, but it is in basketball. I didn't know. I didn't. I didn't know KD could get up like that in in, in that short amount of time on that dunk. I was unaware as well. I mean, Whew, that was that was nasty. It was. It just looked pretty easy for somebody yeah. that looks like a stump and isn't the tallest guy on the team. Yeah, he he got up there and and, and ripped it down. And by the way, speaking of dunks, the Cambridge dunk in transition, obviously highlight reel, punched it, almost knocked himself down with how hard he dunked it. Um, the second half lob where he got it and caught it and cranked it back and and, and dunked it in like a split second um that happened kind of towards us you know where that that happened at the goal in the second half Auburn shoots on the goal that's closest to the media section and I he did that and I looked around I was like how did he catch that like he the ball like he was his face was already around the rim when he when the ball got there and he still found a way somehow with his with his quick hands to um catch it pull it back dunk it Devin's been been outstanding recently and those two small forwards like two six six guys that can that pl- that play well above the rim that get to the basket that play great defense that they give a lot of effort in rebounding a and m couldn't hang with that they're just they're too short they're too short it's an undersized backcourt 
Um, and Auburn leaned on that. And those guys just did not have any sort of, uh, you know, any sort of um, consistency guarding against, uh, guarding against those guys. So two veterans. I mean, look, look, we know Wendell Green Jr. can take over a game. We know Jabari Smith is one of the best players in America. So even though those two guys did not have their best offensive stuff as usual in this game, I don't know what you think about this matter, but I would think that there might be more value at this point in the year, and instead of having the big Smith game or the big green game on offense, having a game where Alan Flanagan gets back closer to what he's been at his peak and having a, a great offensive outing from Devin Cambridge and then having a bounce-back game for Katie Johnson as well, I think that has more value right now because it's like, okay, we know those guys can do that. It's seeing a little bit more of this from from the others. Every coach wants their team to be playing well at the end of the year. We've seen Bruce accomplish that in a couple of different seasons. I would think that having Flanagan round out his form toward the end of the year is a, probably a huge aspect of what remains for this team to really solidify itself as a favorite to make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. And, you know, I know some people are listening probably going, well, aren't they already there? Uh, You know, maybe. There's probably six or eight teams that you're looking at right now that look like they are capable of making deep runs, and Auburn's one of them. If Flanagan's play starts rounding out and he looks more comfortable, and if they start hitting threes, I know that there's probably a limit to how much better that's going to improve. Like, probably can't have a huge jump up in six weeks but if they can just knock down some of these open looks yeah I I think I think Auburn is fully capable of being a team that can shoot decently well from three-point range and and Bruce said it and and here's the here's the full quote um about it because I think it's I think it was a good way to sum up the situation as he said Man, we're missing a lot of shots. That's an issue for us. You look at our percentages from three, and most of them were open shots. We get to knocking them down. That's the next thing we've got to do to be really considered being able to win this championship. If we don't start shooting better, we won't. We just won't. Um, Auburn, you know, the last few games, let's let's go back. Dating back to just the last uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Last six games. So dating back to the right right after the Kentucky game, so the rock fight at Missouri. Since they've been the number one team in the country, Auburn's three-point percentage in games has been 21.4%, 26.1%, 23.8%, 23.1%, 25%, and then 17% uh, against Texas A&M. Um, oh, I'm sorry, 12%. I don't know. For some reason, a two looked like a seven in my head. Um, 12% against Texas A&M. So Auburn team's capable of shooting threes. I, mean, I want to point out, um, you know, they shot uh, they shot over they shot over forty percent against South Carolina and Florida and Nebraska and Syracuse, uh, UConn, ULM. Um, so there are a couple of SEC games in that they shot you know thirty thirty seven and a half percent against Kentucky. They had some good shooting performances against St. Louis and Murray State. It's just really kind of tailed off here recently. So, I, you know, they're capable of, of, of shooting well against quality opponents. It's not just, okay, well, Auburn teed off against um, bad teams. There are some SEC teams and some and some power conference opponents that they have shot really well against from deep. And these shots are open. That's the other thing. It's like it's not like Auburn's forcing it or if you look it up, it's like, oh, that's a bad shot or, 
you don't want that. There very rarely do you see that. It's like, okay, it's open. It's going to go down at some point. It just isn't right now. The good news for Auburn is they're so dominant down low through Walker Kessler, through Jabari Smith, through these wings and guards that love to get to the rim. We saw Auburn. I mean, they scored 100 points on Alabama going 5 of 21 from deep. You know, they've scored in the 70s and 80s without really shooting the ball particularly well from from three-point range. This is the last kind of piece, and we've seen them at times this season shoot well. It's just a matter of getting back and getting hot at the right time. Um, you know, I wonder how much I wonder how much that's possible. But like we've seen this team kind of turn it on when when it matters most. And then I want to go back to you. Also, keep in mind the NCAA the the Final Four run. Um. Auburn went through a cold spell in in uh, in conference play from deep. Uh, you go back and look at the numbers from the Final Four season when they were losing in um, in regular season play before that before they caught fire late. There were quite a few of those games where they were shooting well well below their normal standard from deep, um, and then of course they got hot at the right time. And I'm not saying this this team is not the final four team in terms of fire from anywhere have got, they don't have a Bryce Brown. They don't have, I mean, they don't have that, but you trust Wendell Green Jr. to shoot threes. You trust Katie Johnson to shoot threes. You trust several of these guys to shoot threes. Jabari Smith, obviously. Um, it's just a matter of when, when it can, it, when can it get clicking again? And uh, we've seen even the good shooting Auburn teams in the past go through these cold spells. And it's just matters of, can you get hot at the right time? They just have to shoot a little better. Like, just take. I know it's an overplayed criticism, but I don't think it's an, an invalid one. No, like, no. they could. It's, it's one that Bruce. It's one that Bruce. I mean, Bruce literally said it's the one thing that's going to keep us from winning a championship. Shoot better, take better shots. Maybe work the ball around. Whatever. I'm not going to act like an expert on the half court offense. But, well, here's but the, very here's clearly, the thing, like, if they improve that, this team's so hard to beat. I thought they worked the ball really well against a And M. I think they I, there were some extra passes that, they, that were made that were really, really good. In fact, I think there were some times where they were passing it a little too much. But, yes, yeah, they just hit the open shots. You know, you, you're, it's not like Auburn is taking really bad looks from downtown. They're just not going down. That's the one thing that's going to keep them from, from being the peak team that they can be uh, in, this, uh, in this league. And, um, look, they know, they know what's at stake here. Uh, you've got – Three more weeks left in SEC play. You play Vanderbilt on Wednesday night at home. Man, perfect time for Auburn. They get a long rest between the Arkansas and Texas A&M game. That definitely helped, especially with Zepp getting back in there. And then they get another long rest between, you know, it's a late Wednesday night game between uh, uh, between the A&M and the Vanderbilt game. Vandy just lost to Tennessee, uh, but they are a pretty feisty competitive team. They're going to they're, they're gonna bring a, a good opponent into Auburn Arena on Wednesday night. Saturday, next Saturday you go to Florida. Florida just got Florida just got whooped by uh by uh, Kentucky in Rupp. Um but to that point they had they had won a few games in a row, so it'll be interesting to see what they look like. You get Ole Miss back at home, you go to Tennessee, you go to Mississippi State, you're home at South Carolina. You still got that game advantage over Kentucky. Um Kentucky you know, we said it when when Auburn got into the second half. Kentucky was having, I mean, they have a tough stretch here. They got to go to Tennessee, got to play Alabama, they got to play LSU, they got to go to 
by Walton. Uh, that's what that's what their next four games looks. Like. What the rest of February looks like for Kentucky. They're playing exceptionally well right now, uh, and they might not slip up. But uh, it's going to be tough to you know navigate a, a stretch where you win at Tennessee, you beat Alabama and LSU at home, you win at Arkansas. I mean that's that if they go through that stretch unscathed, that's that's a really really that's a really really impressive team. Um, but Auburn's still still in the driver's seat. It's just they got to shoot well. They're going to get everybody's best shot. They're not going to. I'm going to say it. I, they're not going to be number one tomorrow. Um, not with the way Gonzaga's playing. I, I I would be very surprised if 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 the pollsters kept. I'm sure some are going to still have Auburn at number one. They're going to look at it and say, "Hey, you lost by four in overtime to a really good Arkansas team." Um, although Arkansas just lost to Alabama. Uh, but I think they're just going to look at how dominant Gonzaga's been recently, and I, I wouldn't be surprised seeing it. Now, how f- how much farther they go is going to be interesting. How much far uh, how much farther down would they fall uh, in the poll uh, is going to be interesting because uh, Purdue um, Purdue lost this week to Michigan. They play on Sunday against Maryland. Uh, Arizona is uh, I think Arizona won. Yeah, Arizona won both of their games this week, but uh, two road games to. Washington State and Washington, not really world beaters there. Um, I don't see Kentucky jumping Auburn. So it might be a situation where you just see Auburn and Gonzaga kind of swap up uh, right there. Maybe some folks will have Arizona ahead of Auburn, but uh, just because they're ahead of Auburn on Kempom. Um, I but, still contend Auburn, that the way Kentucky's playing, I, I know that the ratings don't have them up top, whether you're looking at rankings or Kempom. Uh, the way they've played over the last month or so, I think they're the team I'd want to play least. Oh, for sure. I think, I think at college basketball right now, the team you want the teams you want to play least, I think, are, are Gonzaga and Kentucky, number one and number two. I mean, I know Auburn Auburn would be in that mix, but I'm saying if you are Auburn, right? Um, and even still, you could argue that Auburn's working through some things that we've discussed already. Yeah. It's shooting, still getting Flanagan back, yada yada. So you know, the half court offense. It, I think it's a team that hasn't peaked. Yeah, and Gonzaga's offense. It's just so effective. Right. And, yeah, like, look, I mean, you know, people know that, you know, I'm somebody who follows Gonzaga, but who they're playing right now is is it's not overly impressive. But, I mean, they're just beating the brakes off of everybody in front of them, and you play who you are. When you're a small private school on the West Coast, it's not like you're going to be playing a Pac-12 schedule. Uh, they don't even play football. Like, it's – it's they're, I mean, geography is going to impact who they play, and they schedule it a pretty tough – um, non-conference schedule because of this, because they were going to get into a West and this West coast conference is going to have probably, it's probably going to be a four bid league this year. Uh, but they are, I mean, they, they blasted St. Mary's, uh, they blasted BYU, uh, in, uh, in Provo. So, um, yeah, it's just, they're, they're super, super effective and efficient. And I just, it's going to be, who's the hot, hotter team right now. And right now that is Gonzaga. Um, but Auburn, at number two, three-ish in the country, they're still going to be the top team in the SEC. They're still the one everybody's chasing. And Alabama did us a solid. Yeah, just give you just give you an Arkansas. Uh, and I mean, I'm interested to see what Kentucky does. Like Kentucky's got uh, Kentucky's got to go to Tennessee, and Tennessee is uh, they had that weird loss where they couldn't throw it in the ocean against Texas, but they've they've come on. They've won four straight off of that. Um, 
they got to play Alabama and Rupp, and it's just Alabama's just not been great away from Coleman this year. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I just, yeah, but like the, it, it's three weeks left in the regular season. It's down between Auburn and Kentucky. I, I don't. I don't know. I, Unless I don't one of those see teams ten- just starts randomly Man, dropping I, games. I just don't see. I don't see Tennessee making that jump. They got to play both Auburn and and Kentucky here down the stretch. Yeah, it feels like they've been and at arms, two games back. Feels like they've been at arm's length with Kentucky and Auburn all season. Like, yes, we know they're yeah. pretty talented, but there's a clear separation between those two teams and Tennessee. And I like Arkansas more than Tennessee right now, even though I know they just dropped that game to Alabama. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I I'm with you there too, and. uh we talked about how much of a bloodbath the SEC was going to be this year going in. Six games left for everybody. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of the teams in the league are at six and six or worst or worse in the conference. Um, that includes LSU and Alabama. So most nights you're not safe, essentially. No, you're not. You're not. I mean, Georgia almost beat you. They've only got one win. Ole Miss was up by double digits on you uh, away from home, and they're three and nine now. I think part of the problem there for them is that Deshaun Ruffin's hurt. But uh, yeah, I mean, Missouri almost beat you, and they're four and seven. Like they, you're going to get everybody's best shot. And even though Auburn's not going to have that little one next to their name, uh, and they might not have quite as much of the the national attention for the next week or so because of it. And look, I mean, I, I don't think Gonzaga's going to lose again until the tournament. I'd be. They finished with Pepperdine, Santa Clara, San, San Francisco, and St. Mary's, and that's it. I can see them uh, getting down by like twelve in the first half of a game and winning by twenty-one. By the way, San Francisco, San Francisco, Ty Golden's San Francisco Dons. Um, they uh, they lost to Gonzaga by by sixteen in Spokane earlier this year. Uh, San Francisco's got to go to. I mean, uh, Gonzaga's got to go to San Francisco uh, here. Uh, it'll be next Thursday night. Um, so I'm sure Auburn fans will be is between the Golden Connection and uh, and and just wanting to chase Gonzaga. It's just it, I don't. It's gonna be real hard. Um, but you knew that. You knew that. That's how it always is in 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 the West Coast Conference. Um, they're not gonna have that little one next to their name probably moving forward. But um, they're still gonna get everybody's best shot in the SEC. And you've got six teams fin- to finish it up, where only one of them is a ranked team. Um, but I think all of them have a little bit of danger to them or a lot of bit of danger to them uh, in the way they play. Um, and uh, here you go. You got three home games, three road games left to wrap it up. See what you got, Auburn. You got to play, got to play Vandy. And uh, that Vandy team is uh, like, they've got, uh, they got one of the best players in the league in Scotty Pippen Jr. Um, and they've got, a, they've got a few pieces around him that are, they're really, really strong. Uh, but, Again, um, not a team that is overly efficient on offense. They get blocked a ton, like A and M did. Uh, but they're going to put some threes in the air, and if they get hot, um, you know, Jerry Stackhouse is a good coach, and they've got they've got uh, like I said, they got one of the best got one of the best players in the league, and a guy who's probably going to be a first rounder, if not possibly a lottery pick, in the upcoming draft. It'll be it'll be a fun one Wednesday night, I think, uh, in the arena. And, Auburn just knows that everyone's shaking. It'll be interesting to see, though, Kentucky going uh, to Knoxville on uh, on Tuesday night. So Auburn will kind of know where that stands. Like, they'll, they'll know what kind of kind of pressure they might have in the SEC race by the time they play on Wednesday night, late Wednesday night. So good timing all the way around for the Tigers. 
let's move on here. We got a little football we want to talk about here at the end of this uh, podcast, but we appreciate you guys listening. Let's take care of a little business right now. Uh, first off, we'll start with our friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel is the number one place to get premium vintage collegiate apparel, the best logos on the most comfortable t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies that you're going to find anywhere. Um, we've talked about them a lot. We appreciate the good brand uh, for continuing to support us uh, on, on this podcast. Uh, if you're an Auburn fan, you've got a lot to choose from at home field right now. Let's run it down real quick. You've got 1957 National Championship shirt. you got uh, the Sailor Albie with the Vince Carter sticking his arm through the rim. That's a T-shirt and a sweatshirt. Uh, you've got Sailor Albie, uh, the little side eye the, on a T-shirt and a hoodie. Um, you've got... A lot of really good designs uh, with uh, with Auburn football. There's a cool Auburn baseball design. Auburn baseball getting cranked up here uh, shortly. A uh, really cool orange Auburn baseball design. Some more Auburn basketball stuff as well, including uh, their two newest designs, uh, the Ever to Conquer uh, basketball T-shirt. Very uh, beard eaves, very 80s, 90s vibes to that one. And, of course, the Peacock T-shirt. And we want to shout out uh, friends of the program, Ryan Starrett and Allie Davidson. They were the celebrity letter holders uh, at the A&M game. Really, really cool for them. Ryan, of course, uh, kind of the guy who, who started the Peacock movement, uh, so to speak, with his blog post at uh, College of Mag. Make sure you read those guys and listen to Orange and True. Uh, and then Allie raising money uh, for the camp out uh, for the Kentucky game. All the students uh, there uh, camping out and waiting in line for the game. And then uh, got a ton of y'all putting thousands and thousands of dollars in there uh, to help out those students. And then there was a lot of excess money. They gave it to Outlive. Big day for Outlive yesterday. Uh, so uh, awesome, awesome work from, from both of those uh, folks that uh, know that we are both big fans of and what they do here on our end of Auburn Twitter and Auburn, the Auburn Internet. But, yeah, you can get the uh, the Peacock shirt, Ever to Conquer shirt. A lot of cool designs there as well. Homefield. I, I did say the the sweatshirt. The sweatshirt is sold out. The the Sailor I'll be uh, dunking is sold out, so sorry about that. Homefieldapparel.com. Uh, if you want the best Auburn gear, you got to go to Homefield. If you have another school that's particularly close to your heart um, or you just think their designs are cool, you can get them at Homefield. There's a good chance that the good brand has – uh, some good stuff there for you as well. Uh, if you've never made an order at homefieldapparel.com and you would like 15% off, you just put the promo code OBSERVER in when you're checking out. That'll get you set on your way. Uh, Homefield Apparel, appreciate Connor and the gang for continuing to support us and appreciate them for supplying us and uh, Auburn fans everywhere uh, with the best gear that you can get anywhere. Painter, mm -hmm. you ready to do a little little uh, podcast business here? Let's do it. There's two ways to continue to help us out. Some of you already do. Number one, you're subscribed to the Auburn Observer. Uh, if you're subscribed to the Auburn Observer, uh, you get all of our newsletters and bonus podcast at least once a week. Had two this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit here about football towards the end. But if you want uh, to listen to our podcast about football, uh, the Brian Harson situation and uh, Auburn retaining him. We put one up on Friday night that you can go check out. Uh, so a lot more, you know, in, in, in deeper detail uh, from Friday night 
have to be a subscriber to access that podcast, auburnobserver.com, $60 a month or $60 a year. But if you want to help us out and uh, you're continuing to listen to the free podcast or reading the free uh, newsletters, we appreciate you guys as well. Uh, Painter, tell them how they can help us out without putting any more money into the picture. Rate, review, subscribe. It's quick, 20 seconds. You know, maybe you're standing by the microwave right before you... You turn it off so that the bomb doesn't go off. But before you do that, rate, review, subscribe. All right, I'm thinking 20 seconds. All it takes, just go to the Apple Podcast app, search the Auburn Observer, click the Auburn Observer, scroll down to ratings and reviews, click write a review, give us five stars, say something nice about Painter in there. We will read it here on the podcast. We appreciate all you guys and all your kind words. Really, really crazy, hectic week last week. We had a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of you reached out and, uh, and, uh, subscribed or gave us, uh, gave us some kind comments and some emails or, or on, on social media. And we appreciate all of you for that. Painter, we've got a few more, uh, podcast reviews to read. You ready? Here we go. This is from Stishma, I believe is the best way to say it on Twitter and, and, or on, on, um, on Apple podcast reviews. Painter, I think you're going to appreciate this one. Uh, the title says I borrowed my kid's iPad to rate review. That's that's following instructions right there. That's We've told perfect. you. <laughs> Android user cursing this unfamiliar interface, the perfectly reasonable Auburn fan perspective from Painter, while Justin tries to temper expectations with his media viewpoint is always first in line for me. The newsletter analysis is always on point, especially Painter's mailbag appearances. Really, given the higher salary averages for Auburn alumni than the Western Alabama schools, I don't know why anyone isn't subscribed for $6 a month or $60 a year for all the content. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Painter, uh, people have been asking about the next mailbag from you. I think we need to do one here very soon. All right. I think if you're up for it. Of course. Of course. You know, I love this to let one, my thoughts go. Let them fly. Absolutely. This one's from, uh, looks like Gold EJK uh, with the peacock emoji. It says, Painter's voice of the fan perspective helps you feel like a part of the podcast. Justin's analysis is fine, too. Subscribe to the Auburn Observer. Perfect review right there. That's exactly what we what we have. And then, uh, oh, someone gave us five plus stars. This one says a lot, has a lot of stuff about me on here, so it feels like I'd be bragging too much. Um, so I don't know if I need to read this one out out on the air. I don't want to. I don't want to inflate my ego too much. It's more of a. It doesn't have anything about Painter on here. Though, That's so perfectly I fine. I think it's nice that we switch the roles here. But yeah, appreciate appreciate this this last review. It's kind of what I'm going for. Not a homer, not an elitist or a hater. That's I, you know what I try to hit. I try to hit all three of those those buckets pretty pretty well. Appreciate it. that was very 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 kind review. Very kind review. Justin there. is and, the uh, perfect writer. Agree. No, he boy, is a not. fan yet not a homer. No, stop stop stop. <laughs> stop stop. All the writers. That's are more really like kind. Justin. That's a, it. Is a that's very really nice kind. review. That is very, very kind. nice. Very. That was that was super kind. Two things uh, you can do that I, really. I would be very arrogant if I read it all. If Ferg, if, two things Ferg hates, and they kind of are tied together, is attention. Okay, and then certainly attention on his birthday. Yes, and that's why you'll never know what my birthday is. It's no. It's nowhere near time for my birthday, so I feel like I'm fine with that. Appreciate all of you guys uh, for. Uh, for supporting us, for writing uh, those kind of words on the reviews and elsewhere, and uh, supporting the observer, um, very very nice of all of you. And uh, yeah, it's uh, like we said, if you want to listen to our uh, analysis breakdown, 
you know, reaction to the Brian Harson news from Friday. There is a bonus podcast you can li- listen to, uh, and we get into more detail there. But I want—I did want to talk about a couple of things before we before we broke uh, for this podcast about Auburn football. Uh, two big ones. Number one, um, as it should have come as no surprise to anyone, uh, Brian Harson making an appearance yesterday uh, at the Auburn basketball game. Pretty good reaction from uh, the fans, uh, the students, especially down there. He was down there in the student section with them, posing for pictures, talking to folks. Um, you know, elsewhere, a, a lot of, uh, a lot of support. I, I think, you know, that's not surprising considering, you know, the saga they went through. Um, when you look, read the statements from Harson and from Jay Googe, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of reason for folks to rally around. I think they've seen on, on Twitter, they've seen, uh, the players rally around them. Um, look, it's, it's, you know, I'm not going to delve into all of it again, but, uh, you know, Auburn's in a Auburn football has a lot of work to do, and we already knew that well before the saga. Um, but the support, I think, is going to be big. It's going to be interesting to see um, how the fan base, you know, especially in the off season, kind of rallies around. I think he's going to have a lot of supporters behind him. Uh, but yeah, it's just I thought there was a lot of a um, lot of love from the uh, from the folks in the stands on uh, on Saturday, and. Um, you know, I think this is a team and a program that's going to need a lot of people behind them moving forward, uh, going into spring practice, going into the summer months, going into fall camp, and, of course, going into the season. So uh, a lot of support there. But the main thing I wanted to talk about, uh, I thought this was huge, uh, tweeted out, let's see, this was at 7.16 p.m. on Saturday night from Zach Etheridge, Auburn defensive backs coach, says, no time for division, united we stand, all in. Uh, had the little shh emoji, one and zero locked in at Auburn football video um, was was tied to that from Zach Etheridge. Which Zach emoji Etheridge, was that, Ferg? The shh emoji. Oh, yeah, I like that. Uh, Zach Etheridge uh, had been linked to the uh, open defensive back uh, coach job at Georgia. Um, that tweet seemingly. Uh, looking like he is going to stay at Auburn and locked in for the future. And this is this is huge. We talk about the recruiting and the importance of how Auburn needs to take a step forward in recruiting uh, under Brian Harson uh, after a, a, a first cycle where there were there were some difficulties, especially with COVID early on and the you know, the lack of uh, established connections for a lot of folks on on staff and how recruiting is a multi year process. Um, Etheridge the best recruiter on the team um, and has the rankings uh, on 247 to show for it. Um, and I thought did some good work uh, along with Derek Mason in that, uh, in that defensive back room uh, last season. You look at what Auburn's bringing back in their DB room. You look at how well Etheridge and Trevon Reed plays a part into that as well. Reloaded on the back end. Um, it would have been really tough for Auburn to, to, to lose him to Georgia. And you could see where it would be easy to want to, Go to go to Georgia at a time like this, coming off that national championship. Uh, they're in a really stable situation, a lot of talent um, uh, working there. And uh, but no, it. According to Etheridge's tweet, he looks like he's locked in moving forward. And uh, man, that's huge. That is huge for Auburn because uh, you know at a time where there's a lot of questions about the program and the direction and who's in and who's out and 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 what everything looks like with the staff moving forward um he was a guy they just could not lose and so it sounds it sounds like he's going to be in for the long haul they better be working in that portal baby 
Yeah, and this is going to be a. This is going to be. You know, I think Etheridge is an interesting case because, like, his room. I think they lost a decent bit in the secondary this off season. Um, but I think his room might be the deepest. Like, it's them and tight end. It's defensive back and tight end where you feel like the most. I think the most solid in their depth. Um, obviously, did great work. I mean, they've got, you know. Nehemiah Pritchett and Zion Puckett and, and Donovan Kaufman and some of these guys coming back that played roles last year, but they get the number one corner in the country from JUCO. They get the number one safety in the country from JUCO. They get several blue chip guys to to fit in back there um, from the high school ranks. That secondary is in a really, really good spot. And I think Auburn, the rest of that roster needs to get to a point where it has that stability and that depth and that star power across the board of Auburn's defensive back room. So, Always good to be able to maintain that. And, yeah, the portal, I think, is going to be interesting to see what that looks like moving forward because right now the portal is kind of quiet. There's There are people out there. There's not a ton. By the time you transfer at this point or at least announce where you're going, you're, really, you're not going to be able to play in spring ball. Um, so right now you're kind of thinking, you know, move ahead to the future, uh, looking ahead what what's next, arriving in the summer, getting ready for fall. And there are a number of guys out there um, who are – and I wouldn't be surprised if there's some guys like this at Auburn as well. There are a number of guys out there that are seeing what spring practice looks like, going ahead and doing their classwork here in the spring semester. Then when they get done, make that decision. It's that second wave in the portal. Last year, that second wave was good to Auburn. Um, they got a number of guys uh, later on in the in the process. Um, and those guys arrived for fall camp and were plugged in and were ready to go. Um, they've got it. They've got to do work there, but, you know, it's going to be a, a situation where um, Auburn needs to Auburn needs to hit it hard, uh, and they need to do whatever they can because they've they've just got some holes. They've got some they got some depth issues uh, on that on that roster. Uh, but there are going to be more guys coming into the portal after they see what's going on in spring camp. They see where they sit. They see where they fit in um, their respective teams. And uh, that's when that second wave comes. Auburn needs to be one of the big winners in that as well. But yeah, really good, um, really good news. I think for Auburn uh, that uh, that that it seems like Zach Etheridge obviously is. Uh, or I say it's obviously good news if Zach Etheridge is on board uh, for the future for Auburn because of uh, what he brings to the table and what he brings to this staff at a time where there's got to be a lot of rallying around each other and, and a lot of coming in um, and supporting one another. For the, for the program and also the fan base. Uh, we're trying to rally behind that. Um, I think that's all I got. Painter, we talked about how you wanted to to make a comment about uh, about uh, McDonald's breakfast. Do we still want to talk about that? Oh, I mean, I have been eating it frequently, like three times a week. It's right down the way from my office, and so it's easy to slip in there. Two sausage biscuits, one of them a combo, one of them just regular so you're a so you're a two sausage biscuit person okay yeah I've, it's been consistent it's just there it's easy it's I, I need to start putting jelly on it i haven't i've just been going in dry but wow it's it's uh yeah for good bang for your buck uh coffee's decent and uh the hash brown usually hits so i'd i'd say for the it amount be, of money we're I'm not paying. sponsored by mcdonald's but this would be a funny way to say that we were oh wow that would be incredible us and <laughs> justin timberlake yeah we got the we got the uh we got the McDonald's money. We've got a, you know, we're gonna have, um, we're going to have uh, the guy from Succession. I'm blanking on his name, um, 
put the guy who plays Logan on Succession. Uh, he's going to start doing our doing Auburn Observer ad reads. Yeah, that's that's how we're gonna that's how we're gonna. Go. I'm gonna be so mad when I hang up this call and immediately remember his name. Um, I, I will say this about McDonald's breakfast though: I, the the hash brown patty, the the one big guy, a lot better to me than the little bit like the, the little round ones. Oh yeah, yeah, whole lot better. A lot better. What so has McDonald's happened to Burger can... King in the last ten years? I'll be honest, man. I have not, and this will this will get us uh, this this will ensure that we'll never be sponsored by Burger King. Um, so when I was in high school, where I grew up, we lost a McDonald's, and we also lost a Taco Bell. We also lost a Dairy Queen uh, during the time I lived there. Um, but uh, the Dairy Queen, I guess, I can understand, but losing yeah. a Taco Bell and a McDonald's, Dude, almost McDo- anywhere is startling. Yeah, and. I think the McDonald's was more the, the McDonald's had more to do with like a like a management problem, like a like a dispute or something like that. It wasn't like, oh, nobody was going to the McDonald's. Um I don't know what the deal is with the Taco Bell. The Taco Bell was inside a gas station, which you know that's, you know, you're getting high quality uh high quality uh food. I, I do they even still do that? Do they? I mean, uh, yeah, or, I've or, seen I've seen some of those connected. I don't know if they're still building them, but I see that they exist. Dude, there's a, there's a, um, uh, I guess since you moved or I don't know if it was around when you, before you moved, there's a, um, over by Opelika high school, there's a gas station that has a Sonic attached to it, but it, the Sonic is just a drive through and it's like, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the little bays, you know? So anyway, but I'll say this, all that, that's a roundabout way of saying when I was in high school, if you wanted fast food, like basically all you really had was Burger King. You also had there was a Churches, there was a Hardee's, there was something else that I'm blanking on right now. Um, but uh, so I ate at Burger King a decent bit when I was in high school, and when I left, I I didn't like it, um, but it was really kind of all you had. And so when I left high school, I was like, I'm never eating at Burger King again. And you know, I've I've held I've held firm to that for now uh, what 11 years. Um, so I don't know what's going on with Burger King because I don't I I uh, I got. Uh, I got it beat out of me as a as a high schooler. Taco Bell, a place where I could grab a meal for no money just a few years ago. Now they want you to pay. They want you to pay lots oh, of money I, for their tacos. Oh my! Uh, my order at Taco Bell is three dollars and twenty seven cents every single time. Okay, well I'm just thinking I got to pay like five dollars for two five layers, and it used to be like ninety cents. What's what is the five layer? What's what are the five layers? Beef, beans, sour cream, maybe cheese. I don't know if they're counting the wrap as a layer. <laughs> I've not I've never stopped to count particularly. I just that's just yeah. I just I didn't know. I mean I don't. I'm a I'm a Taco Bell vegetarian. I don't get anything with meat at Taco Bell. Uh, <laughs> it's just because because I don't like ground beef. Um, and their chicken's just all right. Um, I've been craving sushi. Oh okay. All right, well, I don't know if you need to eat sushi at 9.30 on a Sunday morning. It's but, nice and um, fresh. I might do that before my Super Bowl party. There you go. There you go. Appreciate everyone listening. I uh, appreciate you putting up with our nonsense here at the end. I know Painter just wanted to talk about – he wanted to shout out McDonald's breakfast at some point on the podcast, so we did it at the end. We're not sure uh, if you've heard of the uh, plucky upstart, but we wanted to make sure that they're on your uh, they're on your radar if you ever see one. Little little mom-and-pop shop on the rise. Shout out! Shout out to the McDonald's on on South College. You're you're always there for me. Appreciate everyone listening. Appreciate everyone subscribing to the Observer. We will have a film room on Monday. 
for Auburn basketball. Uh, we'll have coverage throughout the week, uh, getting ready for the Vanderbilt and Florida games. We will talk to you guys again. Shoot, man, it's gonna be it's gonna be a late night Wednesday night. We'll see what we'll see what the podcast looks like. Most likely on Thursday, um, the next premium podcast. But appreciate everyone listening, and uh, we will talk to y'all later. Enjoy your Super Bowl parties. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. Painter, your final thoughts. Go Joey. Go CJ. Decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe.